If you guys have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath the seat, or there should be one in that vicinity, in that area. Um, one, one thing that I forgot is just specific for Gloucester is I have um, surveys. We want to figure out how we're doing in the world of leadership here at Gloucester as we're getting going. And so what I would ask is that you would put in, uh, that you fill out the survey. It'll probably take you about 10 to 15 minutes. It's an online survey. And um, it basically, we're gonna contrast it. Um, but where it talks about your leader, put in David Wilson, and that'll let us know that it's specifically Gloucester. And so I'm gonna hand these out. If you guys could just take one and pass it. One, um, do a husband do one and a wife do one. So we have two per two. And if your children want to do it as well, that's fine. Um, but we definitely want two per family. And that way we can gauge how we're doing in regards to servant leadership here in Gloucester. Um, so I definitely wanted to, I forgot to mention that. It's one of the things that we want to do so that we can get better. And please be honest, it's completely anonymous. So... Usually when you say that, people are like, oh, yeah, extra. Um, so it's basically, it's a multiple choice, so it's not that difficult, but it'll probably, it's about 40 questions, and you have to think about in regards to the leadership here at Coastal in Gloucester. Um, and we're going to pull those out just so that we can get better. We're doing, it's interesting, we're doing it also in Zimbabwe to do some comparison as well. So um, there's emissions implications as well. Ephesians chapter six, we're, um, if you have your, if you got your bulletins, in your bulletin you had some notes, so pull out a pen, lipstick, or mascara, because we're going to get going. One verse today, but we're going to read the beginning of the second verse. Um, we're beginning a series called The Armor of God, Strong in His Might, and um, I'm going to read the whole area of what we're going we're to be covering over the next several weeks um, that myself and Pastor David will be teaching over. And so I want to, um, by means of introduction, we're going to look at verse 10 today, but we're going to break this down over the next four or five weeks. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord's mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the dark rulers of the earth, against those mighty powers who rule this world and against spiritual, wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil so that after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news of the gospel so that you will be fully prepared in every battle. You will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at, at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly proclaim God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles too. I am in chains now for preaching this message as God's ambassador. 
but pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Let's pray. Precious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's truth. And we thank you, Lord God, that we can live our life by your word. And we ask, Lord God, that you would come and you would transform us through the power of your Holy Spirit using the word of God in our lives. We thank you for each person here, Lord God. We pray that you would grow us and change us and transform us. If there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would open their heart and they would receive you as Lord and Savior into their life and believe your good news this morning. Lord, we love you and thank you. And as always, Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray, amen. Armor of God. Have you ever, have you ever thought about um, just kind of this thing called Christianity in America and the way that we go about our everyday life? We go about our everyday life and sometimes we feel completely prepared and equipped and other times when things happen to us to derail us, we're not prepared, we're not equipped. It's interesting, I remember when I was in high school and I, we were playing basketball and we were doing the warm-up drills and you know, you the cheerleaders are going and you're in the tunnel and you're waiting and they're all lined up. I don't know if you guys have been to a basketball game recently and in basketball, they have the sweatpants that have the snaps all the way around. It's the same thing that we use for my one-year-old and when you're done, you rip them off. You know what I'm talking about? And then you have the shorts below. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. So you go to the game. So everyone's wearing their warm-up pants, and then the cheerleaders are cheering, and we're all in the tunnel, and then, then they go, ah, you're, and then, you know, and then they all start running. So everybody runs out of the tunnel, and you do these layup drills, and you have all of this stuff, and everybody's all excited, and everybody's focused on the game, and everybody's focused on what's going to happen. And so you're, you're, you're warming up and you're, you're getting ready. And I remember when I was in high school, we were doing this one game. It was a big game and we were playing and it was myself and this other guy. He was the captain of our team. He, was, he and I were the captains of the team and he was the captain and he, we need a big game from him. And we're playing basketball. We're getting all warmed up and, he's, and he's, we're shooting the layups and we're, you know, we're trying to intimidate the other team and the music is playing and, and there's all this energy in the gym. And everybody's focused on what's about to happen. And then the, the buzzer sounds, and then you walk over to your bench, and then everybody kind of goes and rips off their pants. So I rip off my pants, and some of the other players are ripping off their pants as they're getting going. And the captain of our team, no lie, true story, he started to rip off his pants, and he realized he didn't have his shorts on. He was so focused and ready for the game that he had forgotten the important part of his shorts. So he wasn't ready. And I think sometimes in the Christian life, we give our life to Jesus Christ because what happens is someone shares Christ with us, whether it be a pastor or a friend or somebody, and they share the gospel with us. And all of a sudden we go, man, okay, Jesus, come into my life and save me. And then what happens? You think your light, the grass is supposed to be greener, the blue sky is supposed to be bluer, and, and everything is supposed to be perfect. And la, da, 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 you know, and you're running around and you're thinking, this is what the Christian life is so supposed to be, but you give your life to Jesus Christ, and what happens? 
hardship sometimes, difficulty, fear, anger. I mean, all these things, you start feeling attacked. And you're like, man, that preacher lied to me. He said that Jesus was supposed to make my life better. He said that Jesus was supposed to save me. And I don't know, maybe you're here today and maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're, you're here and you're like, man, I have tried this Christian thing and I just feel like it's just something that I do on Sundays because it doesn't play a role in my life every day and every moment of every day. So the Apostle Paul is, is writing this, this final section is saying, listen, you need to recognize and you need to prepare for what's happening in this life. Christ saves us, yes, but then there's a part for us. So by means of introduction, let me read this. Have you ever felt like you were taking a beating in this life? Maybe you're here today and that's you. You wanted to take action, but you were frozen or paralyzed either by fear or ignorance. I don't know what to do. Every person can take action and experience victory in the Christian life by following the teachings of Ephesians 6.10 by the Apostle Paul through four preparations needed in the Christian life. See, the Apostle Paul in verse 10 kind of says, I'm gonna prepare you for something. I'm gonna prepare you for what's to come. I'm gonna prepare you once Christ saves you, now recognize that there's a battle that you're in. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. Write this down. Recognize we have a part in the spiritual battle. The devil doesn't like it when Christians live the way that God has called us to live. He doesn't care of the people that, list, that keep it at home. He doesn't care about the people that are you know, that are, that are not really engaged. They just come on Sundays and then Christianity or, and Christ has no bearing on their life day by day. He's going after the Christians that are prepared for battle. And I think sometimes every, every day we wake up, we have a choice of whether or not we're gonna get fully clothed in the armor of God to, to engage and prepare ourselves for what, what's to come. There's a spiritual battle that's taking place. If you don't believe me, just watch the news for a little bit. There's lots of stuff that's happening. And, and sometimes you're watching the news or you're seeing the things that are going on and you're saying, what can I do? What difference can I make? In America, we can vote. Woo! But even after we vote, sometimes we go, man, really? That's a candidate I voted for and he's doing something totally than what I voted him for to do. So you're in this process and you're like, what can I do? Well, let me share something with you. You can be prepared and ready yourself because God has an active place for you in this life in the battle. He wants you to ready yourself, to be ready. Now, what does it mean finally? Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, Put on the whole armor of God, finally. Finally means in the Greek, or in the English, it is about time we ready ourselves for battle to take action. Finally means it's about time. And so the Apostle Paul, he's saying, he's writing five chapters. He gets all the way to verse 10 in chapter six, and he's saying, okay, finally. Now, it's about time that I, now I write this 
This is written at the very end of Ephesians. It's important where you recognize it because up until this point, he's talking about Christian living. This is how you live. This is how you live. This is the gospel. This is what you believe. Now he's saying, okay, now it's time for action. It's time for us as Christians to prepare ourselves for action. So he says, finally, finally. And if you look at the verses, um, if you look at chapter five, he talks to husbands in Ephesians chapter five, verses 21 and 25. He talks to wives, which is husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for the church. So mutually submit to one another. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Children, Ephesians 6, 1, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother in Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. Masters and servants in Ephesians 5, 29. He talks about this idea of submitting yourself to God, is submitting yourself to your master or your bosses if it was today. So he's, he's prepared them for Christian life and now he's saying, okay, that's who you're to be. Now I wanna prepare you for what you're going to do. I wanna make sure you're fully prepared for this life, this Christian life that I'm gonna have you live. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47 says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all to you into our hands. Even in the Old Testament, the prophet Samuel writes that the battle doesn't belong to those that are the mightiest. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so the idea is we've got to prepare ourselves by recognizing we're in a spiritual battle. Are you ready for the battle? Are you ready to take action? Some of us would say, well, maybe. Some of us would say, maybe not. And so the apostle Paul is saying, listen, I want you to be ready. I want to prepare you. I remember when we moved up here from uh, Virginia, we moved here from Florida, and we didn't have winter coats. And so we sent our kids to school one cold morning, and they were in their little light coats. It was the heaviest coats that we had. And they came back, and their lips were blue, not really, but they came back and they said, we were cold all day because we didn't prepare them. The Apostle Paul is looking at these Christians in Ephesus and he's saying, I wanna prepare you for the battle. I wanna tell you what you have to do to be ready for the battle. Finally, finally, get ready to take action. Number two, our strength comes from the Lord for the battle. Our strength comes from the Lord for the battle. We're gonna talk about our strength comes from the Lord for the battle. Be strong in the Lord. So he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Now, there's lots of verses and I wanna start going through it, but I want, turn over in your Bibles over to Psalm 28. It's the one I wanna look at and then we're gonna look at Isaiah 40. But everybody turn in your Bibles over to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. Psalm 28, verse seven and eight says this. The Lord is my strength, my shield from every danger. I will trust in him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. The Lord protects his people and gives victory to his anointed king. 
Save your people, bless Israel, your special possession. Lead them like a shepherd and carry them forever in your arms. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. It says, he gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths will become exhausted and weary and young men will give up. But those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When we recognize that our strength comes from the Lord and doesn't come from what we do. Oh, you know what? It's up there. Nice. I'm, I'm using the NLT, and the, so it's different. So some of you guys are going, what is he reading from? It's the Bible, different translation, different reading level. Okay, this is a lesser reading level. This is eighth grade, this is sixth grade. I like C-spot run, okay? This is an older read, that ESV is an older, tra it's a translation for a better grading level. So I can read it. If you're gonna start bringing them up, I'll read them from there. But it's the idea of this, that, that, the, that the Lord shall renew our strength. Our strength doesn't come from ourselves. Watch any Disney TV show or movie. You must find the strength from within. Well, let me share something with you. After you're getting beat up over and over and over and over again, you don't have any strength in within. You're constantly getting browbeat and you're saying, God, where in the world am I gonna get help? How am I gonna be able to do this? And what happens? Our strength comes from the Lord. Isaiah knew it. So when it says, be strong in the Lord, the whole concept, the whole idea of what the Apostle Paul's saying is, listen, your strength's not from yourself. Your strength comes from God. Not only does God save us, but he makes us strong. That's good news. Because it's really hard to live this Christian life in and of ourselves. I can't be good enough. I can't work hard enough. Because here's the deal, when I remember, I remember I, I prayed to receive Christ when I was in high school. I was 10 and then again at 15 and I was trying to really live for God. God, I'm really gonna live for you. I'm gonna do what you want me to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say what you want me to say and I'm really gonna try, 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 try and I tried, 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 tried and what happened is, is I failed over and over and over again and I'm like, man, this is impossible. How can I do this? And as I read the scripture, I realized I can't. I'm not strong enough. And neither are you. But the beauty is, is that Christ gives us his strength. Our strength comes from the Lord. It's good. So when he says this, be strong in the Lord, what is he saying? He's saying it's okay for weakness because our strength is in the Lord. I wanna give you three things underneath this. The first one is this. Our weaknesses are opportunities for Christ. See, if I demonstrate to you that I have it all together, then what you're gonna do is you're gonna go, wow, he's got it all together. And I might go, no, yes, it's really Jesus. But the reality is this, you're gonna look at me. But if I look and say, listen, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus every day, and I need his strength every day, then you're not gonna see me. You're gonna look beyond me and you're gonna see Christ. And you're gonna go to him for that source. Why is it so damaging? I've seen churches where their pastor falls morally, God forbid. And what happens is all the church 
Like half the church leaves. Oh man, if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't want to do that anymore. Why? Because they were looking to a man for their strength and they weren't looking to the source of his strength, Jesus Christ. He stopped relying on him a long time ago. And so when he falls, they fall. No, think like Coastal, we want you to get is that we are not the end all be all. Christ is the end all be all. Christ is the one who changes. Christ is the one who's our strength. Christ is the one who gives us what we need for the battle. And so the greater the weakness that you have, the more Christ can shine through it. Isn't that beautiful? I remember I was talking with somebody about a year and a half ago and we're sitting at breakfast and he says, hey, and I was asking him, I wanted him to help on some things. And he had been a Christian, he had fallen away and he was starting to kind of journey back um, to the Lord and he kind of looked at me and he says, before we go any further, I wanna be really honest about my past. And he kind of laid out how he had left his first wife, he had an affair, there was all kinds of things in his life that were broken in his past. And he just started to unpack it and he looked at me and he said, and then he, this is what he said, I understand if you don't want me to be involved anymore. And I looked at him and I sat back and I kind of smiled and I said, is that all? Because in Christ, if we repent of our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've asked Christ to forgive you, guess what? He wants to use you for the battle. And he'll even give you the strength to do it. And so the greater the weaknesses, the greater the Christ in those weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, look, look at number two, our cracks reveal God's glory. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says that we have this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us, which means this. Think about it in a jar and it has cracks in it. The more the light, the more cracks in the jar, if there was a torch inside or a light inside, the more people could see the light. The more that we look perfect in our jar of clay, because in, in verse eight, it says that the surpassing treasure is found on the inside, not on the outside. So the greater the cracks, the more the light can pass through. The greater the weakness, the greater the Christ can demonstrate his strength in us. Our failures demonstrate God's salvation. If you don't believe me, look at the entire, look at the Apostle Peter's life. Apostle Peter denied Jesus Christ three different times. A lot of people go, well, what's the difference between Peter and Judas? I'll tell you what the difference between Peter and Judas is. Judas didn't repent. Peter repented. And God restored Peter and used Peter. In fact, in Mark, one of my favorite passages at the very end of Mark, Jesus is talking to the, um, Mary Magdalene at the tomb after he's resurrected. And he says, go tell the disciples. And then there's a little phrase in there, and Peter too. You know why? 
Because I think Peter had disqualified himself from the battle. He had disqualified himself because he had denied Christ three times. And so Jesus, so the angel is saying, go get the disciples. And Peter was probably going, I'm not one of those disciples. And then, and Peter too. Because you know why? In this Christian life, once we fail, what happens? Oh, I'm done. I'm out. God can't use me anymore. God, not only can God use you, he wants to use you. You're his hands and feet. And he'll give you the strength to be used. Our failures demonstrate God's salvation. Because guess what? All the people at Pentecost probably looked and go, man, if God can use Peter, God can use anybody. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be said about you? Second Corinthians 4.16 says, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. We need to recognize that the greater the weakness, the greater the Christ in our weakness. First thing, our, I mean, the second thing is our strength. So the first thing is recognize we have a part in the spiritual battle. Secondly, our strength comes from the Lord for the battle. And then number three is this, our power comes from the Holy Spirit in battle. Now, this is important to understand. There's a difference between strength and power. Strength is I have the ability to do something. Power is me using the strength and exerting it. So let me say that again. Strength is having the ability to do something. I have the strength to be able to accomplish something. Power is exerting that strength. I think there's a lot of really strong Christians that are powerless, they have a lot of spiritual strength that God has given them what they need, but yet they sit on the sidelines never living in the power that God had given them through the Holy Spirit. Not only does God give us the strength that we need, but God gives us the power that we need. If you don't believe me, I wouldn't believe me. Let's look at the scripture. Psalm chapter uh, 73. Everybody turn over there to Psalm 73. David understood it. Look what he says in Psalm 73, verse 25. Underline this, memorize this. It's an incredible passage of scripture. Oh, you know what? There it is. Whom am I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. And look at verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Is there another part to that? Oh, no, that's, okay, that's the end. The, the, the idea is, is not only does our strength come from the Lord, but the power to exercise, to open our mouths comes from the Lord, to communicate what God wants us to do. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Ephesians 3.16 it says that according to the riches of his great glory that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I can't, I can't do it. I don't have it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. 
Some of you would say, listen, you have the strength. Christ has given you the strength. You know how I know that? It's because he saved you. And it says in his word that he's given you the strength. Now he's giving you the power through the Holy Spirit to be able to take that strength and use it for action. Our power comes from the Holy Spirit in the battle. So when it says in the strength of his might, what is he talking about? What does it mean to work in the strength of his might? It means he's talking about the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit of God. He, had pre, he was preparing them for what's going on. Let me read, let me read through these three things, these the three subpoints. The first one is Christ is one with the Holy Spirit. This is what, it's God in, its enti- in his entirety that helps us. So even looking at Jesus' life in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, and Romans 8, 9, Christ is one with the Holy Spirit. It's important to understand that. Christ and the Holy Spirit aren't separate. The Holy Spirit of God is who gives us the power to live. And so when you look at the life of Christ, you see that there was this this, this, this relationship within himself that he had with the Holy Spirit. Because number two, look, Christ was led by the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter four, verse one, it says that he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted. Explain that to me. And I don't get that. That he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I thought Jesus and the Holy Spirit were one. They are. But in that relationship, he was allowing the Holy Spirit to give him the power to go into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Number three, Christ only took obedient action, to only took action in obedience to the Father and in the power of the Spirit. Let's look at John chapter five, verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Well, how does he do that? Where's the power? Uh, uh, Because he's God, it's Trinitarian. Explain the Trinity. Let me explain the Trinity real fast. Are you ready? I can't. (laughs) If you're a mathematician, this is the best I can give you. One times one times one equals one. God is 100% one God. Three persons each person God, but he's only one God. That's the best I can do, all right? It's one of the great mysteries. 519, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but what is he the father doing? Let's go on to the next uh, verse, 1249. John 1249 says this, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So when you have the power of the Holy Spirit upon you, not only does he give you the strength, he gives you the power and the very words to speak. So when the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, I want you to go take action, what he's saying is, is I wanna prepare you for a battle that you're in every day, whether you recognize it or not. And I'm gonna give you, God's gonna give you the strength to be in this battle, and he's gonna give you the power, which means the exertion of that strength in this battle. Are you ready? Are you ready? C.S. Lewis said this, people in fear are always attempting to gain power. People in love are always willing to give up power. You know, we have a lot of fearful politicians, don't we? Every single political ad, and they're getting ready to come because of the elections coming up. 
Everything is, this person's awful. Fear, 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 fear. It's all about fear. I'm waiting for a politician to go, hey, guess what? Perfect love casts out all fear. I love you and I will do what's best for you. Don't be afraid. It's gonna be okay and we're gonna get through it. That guy would get my vote, man. As long as he had a good platform, obviously. But, but, that's the, but that's the idea. If we're truly in love with Christ, this is not hard. He's already given us the strength. He's already given us his Holy Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we love him, what does John 15, 14 say? If you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. That's not a command. That's a promise. Let me say that again. Some of us have been under the delusion that the command is, you better love me. If you really, really love me, you're gonna do what I say. What kind of good parent would that be? As soon as my son here disobeyed me, I go, oh, I guess you don't love me. Is that good parenting? That's not good parenting. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you, it's not good parenting, okay? <laughs> my son disobeys me, and I look and I say, I love you, and I, and I want you to obey me. And so I, I, let's, let's continue to work and work through this. And I know that you love me, and I just know you made a bad choice, so let's work through this. So if it's true in an earthly sense, how much more is it true in a spiritual sense? Where when you read John chapter 14, John 15, 14, it's, it's a promise, 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 and then everyone goes, oh, this is a command, and then promise, promise. Look at the context of John 15. It's not a, it's not a command, it's a promise. So what Jesus is saying is this, if you love me, then the promise is, the byproduct is, you're gonna keep my commandments. How awesome is that? I'm gonna bring this home. Number four, we must put on Christ. Christ is our armor for the battle. If you don't catch anything else today, if you've been napping the whole time and you're just now coming out of it because you were out late last night, I love you, I'm glad you're here. Glad you made the effort to get here. We must put on Christ. Christ is our armor for the battle. Christ is every piece of our armor. Christ is the one who readies us for action. Christ is the one and what he did on the cross. So when the apostle Paul says, put on the armor of God, what he's saying is put on Jesus Christ. I wanna give you some scripture and go through this quickly. How do I know this? Because he says it in many other places in scripture. Number one, Christ in us. So, it's, so when we put on Christ, all we're doing is we're just putting on Christ who is already in us. Colossians 1.27 is that Christ is in us. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us. Number two, Christ transforms us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Number three, Christ through us. Galatians chapter five, verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Christ through us is us loving when we wanna hate. 
when we want revenge. It's having joy when something tragic happens in our life and our life is horrible. Or we go, man, today is the worst day ever. It's a no good, very bad day. And I'm, it's Christ in me. I'm gonna have joy because Christ gives me the joy. I can't find it within myself. So it's Christ in us, Christ transforming us, Christ through us. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. The apostle Peter said, you have everything you need for life and godliness. So there's those songs, you know, I want more of you, God, I want more of you. And I think they're great songs. And I understand what they're saying, but the reality is you have everything you need in life and godliness, Christian. You have all the strength that you need, and now it's time for you to take action. Use the power now that God has given you through the Holy Spirit. Romans 13, 14 says this, put on, put on right there when it says put on the whole armor of God. The phrase put on in the, in the Greek just means to clothe oneself. Make sure you're fully clothed. And that's what we're gonna be talking about in this series. This is just by means of introduction. The series is, we're gonna teach you how to put on the armor so that you can take action. It's exciting. No longer will you feel helpless or powerless. It's not a can of mace. It's not a taser. Don't tase me, bro. It's not any of those things. It's spiritual armor for the spiritual battle that God has us in. The conclusion is this, as we unpack this passage of scripture on the armor of God in the coming weeks, we will be willing to recognize who we are and who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ must be our most important if we are ever going to experience the victory in our daily battles. Jesus Christ must be our strength, power, and covering. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what? You're naked, spiritually. In fact, the apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2.1 that you're dead spiritually. And the only way that you can come to life, the only way that you can do that is by receiving Jesus Christ in your life, believing and receiving Jesus Christ. Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. I repent of my sins. Come into my life and save me. When he saves you, guess what? He will give you the strength he will give you the power through the Holy Spirit to be able to live this life the way that he's called us to live it. So no matter what happens, no matter how bad the attacks of this life are, no matter what happens to us, we can be ready. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Does the worship team come up? Because I don't pray during the worship team time when they're moving. I don't like the movement thing. So as the worship team comes up, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you've never received Jesus Christ, I wanna give you an opportunity to pray and receive Christ. It's very, very simple. What you say is you say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. Come in. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and three days later, I believe that you rose from the dead. And as best as I know how, by faith, I receive you into my life. If you've never done that, you can do that this morning. And it's very, very simple, but I promise you, God will change you. He's gonna come in and your life will be totally different, transformed. And so if you've never prayed that, and Christian, 
If you're here and maybe you said, you know what, I have all the strength, but I've never used the power. I've never walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is prayers for you as well. But first, for those that are unsaved, let me pray. Very simply, you say this prayer to God silently in your heart. You say, God, please forgive me for my sins. Everything that I've done wrong. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I believe that you rose from the dead. And by faith, I ask that you would come into my life and change me. It's in Jesus' name. Christian, if you have all the strength and you've never used and exerted the power, then you're missing out on what it is to take action in this Christian life. And my prayer for you is this, precious Father, I pray for every Christian here that says that they have believed and trusted Jesus Christ into their life. I pray, Lord God, that they would use the strength that you've given them, the power you've given them, and the covering that you've given them for great action here in Gloucester and Virginia and the United States and the world. Use us, Lord. Use us, God. Help us to stop sitting on the sidelines, but help us, Lord God, to be prepared for the action that you have for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen.